Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Shake Sales. I'm your host, Maggie Bloom, the sales evangelist at Mailshake. Today, I am super excited. We have Amy Wallace here. She is the founder and CEO at Avenue Talent Partners, the co-founder of Thursday Night Sales, and an advisor to a number of well-known startups. So today, I am super excited to talk with her about the shifts in the sales hiring landscape. It kind of the idea came for me from a post that you you did, Amy, so I'm super excited to dive into it. But Amy, do you mind taking some time to introduce yourself? No, I'm happy to. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk shop with you, Maggie. So I'm Amy Bolas, founder of Avenue Talent Partners. Um, we're an executive search firm for startups, and we help them place VPs of sales in CS. Uh, but sales is my first business love. So I am a practitioner and operator at heart. I grew up in enterprise sales. Um, I go all the way back to the old school where sales was all encompassing. We didn't segment out the function. So I came from full cycle of dealing with dealing with pre and post sales and expansion and growth. And I'm so grateful for that. I've sold services and products. And then I got bitten by the startup bug. I've had a couple of exits. Um, I've started a few companies now. And all of that kind of goes into the blender of the majority of my time in my professional career was spent in and around the HR tech talent acquisition recruiting HR landscape. And so I care deeply about the human condition from a selling side and a recruiting side. And when you break it down, it's not dissimilar. And so no wonder why I own a recruiting firm or an executive <laughs> search firm. And mm -hmm. I do strategic advisory and I'm part of two communities that try to help people get better and all of that. And so I feel very um, grateful that I can spend some time with you trying to pay some lessons forward to help people get better. That's my jam. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And thanks so much for putting that service out there to help people get better. And like you said, both of them are, you know, human to human industry sales and recruiting. So, you know, a lot of similarities and what I've found that, that, you know, in that space too, when I was a recruiter, but we'll get into that here and, yeah, like I said, this kind of this conversation sparked from a LinkedIn post that I saw of yours recently talking about the the shift of the sales hiring landscape. So, how is the sales hiring landscape shifting and how should hiring managers managers shift or not shift? So, the shift that is happening um is interesting to me because I think the things that have always served me well are true always. And so the shift is, well, there are more people available in the market because sadly we're in a weird market where people are getting laid off and a lot of people in go-to-market roles like sales and CS and BDRs and inside and outside and enterprise and all of this and leaders are getting let go. And it's troubling to me because, um, A, you can't have a business if you don't have a customer and those people directly affect your customer. But B, mm -hmm. um, this notion or idea that sales is one sized and that just mm -hmm. because there are more people in the market that it's gotten easier. In fact, it's gotten harder. And I think if we take a look back before what we're dealing with in the market now, when the market was really frothy, folks still struggled to hire well in sales. Mm. And if you didn't know how to do it then, what makes you think that you know how to do it now just because you have more? More is not better. More is just more. 
And if the table stakes are high and you are struggling, compounding all of that onto your plate does not make sense to me. So um, I'm going to kick it back to the old school of let's focus on the work. Let's figure out what really needs to be done, reminding ourselves that people do make the world go round. The bots haven't taken over and designing and architecting a process around that is the way. And if you didn't know how to do it before and you're fooling yourself into thinking like, oh, I can just get referrals and I can do this and I can take these shortcuts. Mm -hmm. There are no shortcuts to success. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. It's a okay to do that if you don't know what you're doing. And if you don't ask for help, are you okay with the consequences? And a lot of the time folks aren't. So that's what I mean by that. Got it. Yeah. And you also mentioned, you know, like if they weren't good at it before, now that there's more volume of people, it's not like, okay, well, you know, my, since my process was the same, I'm going to get better people or things like that. So you're just feeling like since it has been shifting, it's not like anyone that's been doing it bad in the past has really shifted till now, now that there's more people in the market. No, they're just fooling themselves into thinking like, oh, I'm going to get a good deal. I don't, and I'm in the recruiting industry. I don't have to mm -hmm. pay a recruiter because I can just do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, there is a company that I know very well and they've had this role open for six months and they're no better off where they are today than they were six months ago when they started the search because mm -hmm. they're just waiting. And you know, here's the thing also, layer on the fact that if now the spotlight's on you as an executive mm -hmm. or a founder, yeah, more than it's ever been, the pressure is really on. Now we have fear. So we had FOMO before. FOMO's always been around. It's not like it's mm -hmm. like a new, a new passenger in our car. It's there, but yeah. it's not just FOMO now. It's also, if I make the wrong decision, I'm in trouble. And so that fear becomes indecision and not making mm -hmm. a decision is a decision. And so starting a hiring process and then stopping it when you really need these people or mm -hmm. dragging it on, it's kind of like looking for a house. You see yes. that first house and you're like, wow, that's the perfect house. But I want to see more because if that house existed, there's got to be others. And then you go back and that mm -hmm. house is gone. That's uh, that's a lot of what I've seen, whether it's a good market or a bad market, more people, less people. We get in the way of ourselves where I mm -hmm. am all about when you are very clear on what you need, why you need it, what good looks like, what the work is. Then you're very clear on being able to spot that. And as soon as you spot it, grab on for dear life. It's kind of like when I met my yeah. husband, um, we got engaged after three weeks cause I knew what good looked like and we've been married for 18 wow. years. So, you know, be clear. And then everything else, I don't have that FOMO of like, what if there's a, what if there's a better gentleman caller out there for me? There isn't <laughs> my dude. And yeah. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I love that you compared it to you getting engaged that, that quickly and knowing because I think that's where as a company, you have these expectations and it's like, OK, let's put these expectations into place. And if you don't have these clear expectations, then, yeah, there's always going to be this FOMO or fear or things like that that's driving you to say, like, well, maybe there's more just like the housing example you put there. And it's like, no, like, let's put these expectations up from the beginning. This is the person that we want. And then when we do hire them, that's your commitment to work with them and say, this is the person. These were the expectations that they met. Let's work with them here, just like you do in a marriage, just like you do maybe when you find a house too. Um, 
that it's, you know, that's what you were clear and what you wanted to do. And of course, it's not going to be perfect every single day, but you're committed to that person and you all working together. So I love those comparisons. <laughs> that was awesome. I didn't even think about it uh, that way until now. But, um, and I know we talked about this a little bit now of like, you know, FOMO, fear, and especially with the, the market shifting right now that there's more candidates out there. So what are like some of the biggest mistakes you see hiring managers make now that there, there is a bigger candidate pool? That they post the job everywhere. They tell everybody about it and they do it before they really think about is this really the right time to hire? What is it that I'm really hiring for? What does good look like? What's the work required? And do I have a process in place that ensures that I can get that and I can make a good decision, but also that I'm helping people understand where they are in my process. And so I, I have a community, it's called Better Together. It is really meant for career coaching in a safe, private community environment where I'm giving my best advice, people are coming together, they're sharing. And, you know, the common theme is, I, I'm appalled actually at the common theme. Folks are being just put through the ringer. There is a person in the community that has been through 18 interviews. At a single 18. company. One company, 18. 18 steps in an interview process with what? one company. Yeah. <laughs> And the company will say, well, we're going to make a decision by next week. And then it's like, yeah, but, and here's the thing. It's making this person feel like garbage. What message mm -hmm. is it sending? And just because they were laid off doesn't mean that you get to treat people poorly. Even if the yeah. roles were reversed a year ago and the market was different and candidates were treating you poorly. I, I see this rhetoric a lot and it really makes me mad where, well, that happened to me, so I can do it now. And it's like, no, two oh. wrongs don't make a right. And you are firmly no. planted in your moral compass of integrity. And that's mm -hmm. not okay. And so I think it's just this, and I don't, I don't always think it's, um, I think the intentions are good generally, right? I don't think that yeah. people get their rocks off of like, yeah, 18 steps. Cool. It's, <laughs> it's that they either don't know how to make a decision. They're afraid or they're, mm -hmm. and there's, you know, there was this movie and I think there's a book too, or they're just not that into you. And yeah. <laughs> even though you might not be working, knowing those signals and, and having agency to show up for yourself to say, you know, I, I realize I may not have done a great job of illustrating my awesome and that's okay, but I'm going to take a time out so that you free up space for what can come into your life that is good. But these employers that think like, oh, well, I'm going to wait to see who else gets laid off or now is a time for me to level right. up. And it's like, there will always be somebody better. There will always be something greater. But do mm -hmm. you have the ability to actually get it? And is that timing okay? And for all of the indecision or the extra steps or the mm -hmm. ability to not know what good looks like, if you do the math on that, how much does it cost your business? How much does it hold you back? And so I think it's that like short-term fear-based right now versus how does this dovetail into the near term and into the bigger picture? And you've got to think about all three of those things, not just one of those things. Mm, yeah. And, you know, going back, yeah, like 18 interviews, that time and resources that the company took to do that. And then also, yeah, for the person who's interviewing, it's like, 
okay, well, why am I getting dragged through this? And what is it going to be like to work here after I go through these 18 interviews? And then they finally say, yes, are they ever going to trust me? Or are they going to make me and, you know, analyze everything else that I'm doing once I'm there where I'm going to have to have five meetings just to prove a concept that I'm trying to pitch or something like that. Um, and I think it kind of goes from my experience, because when I was first getting into sales, I had interviewed at some places where they were like, okay, you're going to do one and a half interviews and you're hired. And that kind of took me in a, in a place where I was like, uh, I don't think I really even spent much time getting to know you or vice versa. So I feel like there, there's a happy medium to that of like both kind of realizing, Hey, this is a fair way to do this process, but then also being able to, you know, make it feel like you're really wanted for the right reasons and not just like the company might be desperate. I don't know if you've had those experiences too. It's like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? So it's like the just right porridge. It's too hot. It's too cold. You want the just right. And I think, yeah. you know, companies that were in, in Scream from Mountaintops, we have a one and a half step process. It's like, but how much of that process quantifies or qualifies that it makes sense mm-hmm. for both of you? Yeah. And, and I think that we're in this world of, we just want to get, so the, it, this happens in sales, this happens in recruiting, this happens in hiring. Mm-hmm. It's like all over the place. We get to this point, I think, where it's like, I just want to get to the outcome and then I'll figure out the rest later. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but if you're not aligned, because I do believe in the power of alignment and that's the root yeah. of retention. It's the root of loyalty. When you're not mm-hmm. aligned, do you stick around? No. And when you are aligned, you do. And I think um, by no means am I suggesting that having an 18 step process is okay. But also on the, on the flip side, to your point, having a one and a half step process may not be okay either. Do you know why each step exists? Do you know what each step is going to uncover? And are you holding space at the same time for the person to get their answers as well? Because it is a two way street, regardless of market conditions, Mm -hmm. it is a two way street. And I, it, it troubles me when people lose sight of that. Um, it's mm-hmm. why I use my voice is to try to remind people that your business, your career, it's going to be better off for you taking the time up front. So slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. Do that work up front so that you can confidently say yes or confidently say no thank you and do it with dignity and respect and professionalism to mm-hmm. leave them wanting more because you never know where the paths cross again. So it's like all this stuff, yeah. just like in sales. If a if a customer says no, thank you, you're not going to like burn the bridge. Hopefully, yeah, Some people do. Hopefully not. Because <laughs> you never know. And so, <laughs> yeah. if that's if that's not okay there, why would it be okay here, and vice versa? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think part of it too. Most of my experiences of companies hired, I've. Um, excuse me, hired for in the past or even interviewed in the past have all kind of been in the startup uh, playing field. And I think it's kind of taking and not saying that this only falls into startups. I'm sure there's bigger companies. This happens, which is talking from my own experience of like just taking that time to see like, okay, do we know why we have this process in place for hiring? Like, do we know why? And or is it just something that our friend told us that worked for their company, et cetera, which is so funny because the same thing happens with sales. It's like, do we know why this process works for us? Or is it just something like our friend did at this company that's totally not comparable whatsoever, but we're just going to copy and paste the same thing. So I know one thing that you talk about, too, is like stage appropriate hiring. I was talking a little bit about startups there. You know, could you go to a little bit more depth on this and, you know, why it's important during time like this? 
Because the work is different at every stage. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, that's the very short, simple answer that mm-hmm. um, I, I am lucky that I am ambidextrous. And what that means is I have thrived in a startup, being employee number 20-something, building out an enterprise sales mm-hmm. function, all of that stuff. And I have thrived at companies like Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm the same person, but the work is totally totally different. So when I think about Yahoo, we had brand recognition, we had resources, we had fun swag, we had budget to do really cool things and events and ways to bring our customers together that was really illuminating. And the work of doing a deal was different. Mm. And the and the, the products that we had, it was all different, right? And then I go mm. to Indeed and I'm employee number 20 something and it's early, early days. There was no marketing spend Mm -hmm. to support sales. The only marketing spend that was being done was on SEO and SEM because indeed is a search engine. So that made sense. But, um, there was none of that there. There was no brand recognition. Mm -hmm. It was a slog and a hard battle to try to illuminate conversations to help people understand what the value was when they were so used to the old way of doing things and inside mm-hmm. of an HR tech space where um, that buying profile isn't necessarily an early adopter by nature. And so trying to create that and that build and that resilience and not having resources and budget and having to get creative and having to do all of it myself mm-hmm. for myself, by myself, to myself that doesn't mean my company was bad. It doesn't mean that they weren't supportive. It means that that's where we were in the stage. And so mm. I think so many people, it's this new soup du jour that I'm seeing where it's like, I'm a founding salesperson. And I'm like, and do you realize that that title means nothing? You're the first salesperson in and yeah. chances are you won't be here for the long haul because as you grow, you may not know what to do next. And if you can't mm. adapt or change it's not going to go well. And so I am all about like cut through the stuff of the shiny veneers or objects or facade. Yeah. And let's get to the mm-hmm. brass tacks of when I talk to people and they're like, oh, I was at Oracle or Workday or Salesforce or Citrix or whatever it might be. And I want to do a startup. And mm-hmm. I ask why it's like these big statements. And I'm like, do you know what the work is? And then as I really paint yeah. the picture, it's like, oh, you know, there, there may not be, um, a person that does your expense report for you and you may not get a corporate card and you, and so when I really start killing those layers back, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't realize that. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what I mean by stage appropriate is, and it's not even necessarily stage. It's what is happening in your company. Cause there are plenty of bootstrap companies that have are just incubating or they've been around for a while and they're hiring. And that Mm -hmm. looks different too. It's like, what is it that needs to be done to know that you're going to achieve success in this role? And Mm -hmm. I think that's where people get it wrong, where they will look at a job posting. They'll say that looks good because it's from our competitor. And I'm just going to slap up our logo and like change a few things and call it, call it good. Yeah. And that's not good. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely not. And I think it just goes back to everything that we've been talking about in this conversation. It's like figuring out the why behind everything, then everything else will fall into place. And it sounds really, 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 really simple to do. <laughs> but they're like you said, people are just going to take their competitors posting sounds great. And it's like, okay, well, your competitor may need something totally different. You all might do the same things, you may have the same software. But where you're at as a business might be totally different. Even the example with MailShake, like we have tons of competitors and like the roles that we need right now, being bootstrapping, where we're at, being what differentiates us is going to be totally different from a lot of other people on the playing field there too. Um, but it's easy to just kind of like take and borrow things from other people without kind of like looking inward. Because as we all know, looking inward in any type of work is hard to do. And sometimes we're scared of looking inward too. Yeah. Well, and it starts and stops with, with ourselves and taking that hard look. And I couldn't help but to think about, you know, the competitive landscape. If your biggest competitor that you see this job description and you both call it sales or account executive, mm -hmm. and let's say they've been in the enterprise and they didn't use enterprise mm -hmm. and they're doing it well and you're just trying to figure it out, that's going to be a different kind of person that you hire. Right. And so it's just, that's just one example. So I try to be very clear about what we mean by what we say, because you're right. It's not easy. It's not simple. Um, and these concepts are easy to grasp, but actually mm -hmm. doing it, understanding it. I think that's why I always agree to have these conversations. It's like, but do you understand really what it looks like? Because mm -hmm. plenty of people hear what I say and they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm still going to yeah. do this. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> Because okay. it's easier in their minds to do it that way. But like you said, it's going to burn them later on for sure. And, and just not that's it well at the end of things. But and that's why I appreciate you coming on here so much. I could talk to you about this for hour comparing recruiting to he's just not that into you to getting married to, <laughs> to dating. Sounds like my style. It's super fun because I listen to other podcasts about relationships. But Amy, thank you so, so much for joining us today and talking about this and, and shedding some light during these times um, like we're going through today. But to finish this off, where can people learn more about you and your businesses and the projects you're working on? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I hope that this is helpful for anybody that's listening. For me, mm -hmm. Um, folks can find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Amy Bullis that's there. AvenueTalentPartners.com, uh, Thursday Night Sales, Better Together. Uh, those are all places where I am. I'm on Twitter as well. So if you can't find me, there's probably a problem. Then you need to let me know. So you need to like scrub, uh, all of my footprint from my digital self. So th those are all ways to get to me. And I, my hotline's always on, as I like to say. So thank you so much, Maggie. This was awesome. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Amy. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Shake Sales. We'll catch you next time.